Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Three Women, Three Ways. We're the show that uh, deals with a lot of women's issues, and although my daughter just informed me there is no such thing as a woman's issue, that there are people issues, not women's issues or men's issues, and I like that attitude. So we're talking about people issues today, and one of those issues is relationships, whether you've had a bad relationship or great relationships that somehow have ended. Relationships are, can be romantic or they can be um, with just other people, friends. So everything, Every interaction is a relationship, and sometimes those are pretty hard to sustain. Sometimes they're pretty hard to bounce back from. We have a guest today. Her name is Tegan Maddox, and she is uh, referred to as the start over expert. She helps women recover from and uh, um, avoid, if you can, some bad or, or really destructive relationships. And uh, she believes the system we have in place to protect women from relational harm isn't working and that the language abusers use uh, is so narrowly defined and overused that it doesn't really help a woman avoid harm in the future. So, Tegan, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you get your training? How did you come about getting into this field? Oh, hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, It's a pleasure to speak with you, and especially on this topic, because it's a... it's very uh, close to my heart. I've been kind of through everything you can imagine from uh, the full-out, you know, physical domestic violence that you are so expected to know about and to understand as the norm for what domestic violence is. And then I've been on the other side of it where it's more subtle. So, um, you know, part of my training, if you will, came from uh, being in the midst of all of it and trying to recover myself and rebuild so that I, do, you know, never attracted that again into my life, um, which, you know, we, we were under the impression that once you leave, uh, you know, it's kind of over and you just start your life over, and that's not really what happens. Um, so when I was no. struggling, <laughs> right, when I was struggling to... Uh, you know, to to move on. Um, I mean, healing wasn't even in my vocabulary because I didn't think it was something that I needed. Um, and it was years uh, that I, I, I mean, I look back and I say it was wasted in a lot of ways because had I have had some information that told me otherwise, um, I would have been seeking other kinds of uh, other kinds of awareness and personal development. That didn't happen for me for uh, years. And so when I finally started getting the information that I needed, it completely turned my life around um, in terms of how I perceived things. And uh, that training for me came from a lot of awareness about domestic violence, which is, you know, kind of my... You know, my my point on all of this is that that's not enough, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but I ended up getting a lot of information on um, and training on psychopathy and uh, psychopathology, and that's where I found I was thinking it's just domestic violence, which I'm not uh, minimizing that. That's obviously pretty devastating. But when you add that with, you know, some pathology issues, it's a whole other ballgame. So that's where... That's where I got now, when you say pathology office. issues, yeah. yes. When you say pathology issues, what can you explain that a little bit better? What yeah. What do you mean by pathology issues? 
Okay, sure. That's um, really what I'm referring to is uh, personality disorders. And, you know, we, we throw the terms around like you hear people say, oh, he's, you know, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to make this change, I'm asking him to do A, B, or C, you know, after a divorce or during a divorce. And, you know, you hear people say, oh, he's just, he's psycho, I'm never going to get anywhere. But really, what does that mean? Um, it really does mean something and if you really start looking at it it, re- it breaks down to personality disorders so it, it could be that someone's a narcissist and again that's another term we throw around but we don't really stop and think about what does that mean in day-to-day life if you're living it and there's something like um, approximately 60 million people in that have personality disorders and if you're living with one of those people or you're trying to leave them or have left them and are trying to move on, um, you are not dealing with a normal situation. And so a normal approach to those types of personalities isn't going to get you the same result. Okay, so a lot of the research... Yeah. A lot of the research on um, abusers is kind of mixed as to whether they are actually diagnosable with some sort of personality disorder or not. Um, My my personal belief is that they are, so uh, I'm I'm kind of encouraged to hear you say that. Um, Sure. If you are uh, in a relationship with one of those folks, you've probably spent a great deal of time um, trying to accommodate to demands or, you know, personalities that are, can be really harmful to you. Um, yes, so right. after all of that experience with, you know, harmful people, when somebody finally is able to leave or get out of that situation, I would imagine it takes forever to get back well, into wanting a relationship and, you know, caring about healthy relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think the caring about and wanting of that is always there. And I know certainly my experience through my own, my own experiences and certainly with some of the other women that I, that I work with, um, it's, it's like a nonstop negotiation. So you're negotiating and compromising and trying and trying and trying for years. And you just, you know, the women that are with these men are with these men because they have certain um, – things that kind of magnetically attracted these two types of personalities together. So you have the extremes. You have somebody that is highly compassionate, highly tolerant, very sentimental, very compliant and responsible and empathetic and very loyal. And you take all of those traits and you match them literally with somebody who doesn't have any of those or who has very low levels of those abilities. And so it's you're, it's kind of like a perfect marriage, if you will, because you're in terms of how the how you each function together so you you're attracting each other based on your lack and your overabundance of certain qualities in your life if you will so what happens is the woman that is with a man like this is constantly negotiating and compromising but it really it's all fake you know what i mean it's you're not really getting anywhere and you think once you leave that your divorce you'll just put that behind you but um, that doesn't happen and the worst part of all is going forward as you're asking about into other relationships is you're now kind of tainted and you're aware that something went wrong you can't quite put your finger on it you don't know why you were trying to be so accommodating to this person for all these years and getting nowhere so you end up if you go out into the dating world from that place you end up overprotecting yourself you're kind of overcorrecting and what you do is you 
kind of shut your emotions down, you be less vulnerable or you show that you're less vulnerable, thinking that you're then going to attract a different kind of guy. And what you do is you actually pull more emotionally unavailable men towards you. So it's, a, it's kind of self-sabotage. Wow. Okay, okay. Um, let me explain to you, Tegan, that I have a master's degree in um, uh, a field that focuses on domestic violence. Sure. And some of the things you're saying are things that we have been um, saying for a long time that it's not the case, that um, people are not. It sounds almost like you're saying, well, you, because of your personality, because of your um, uh, needs, wants, etc., um, are attracting this kind of a person to you. And I mean, yeah. my initial, my gut reaction is, well, that's <laughs> victim-blaming. But then my other reaction yeah. is, statistically, it shows, the statistics do show that women who have been in one kind of a, relation, uh, a domestic violence situation or abusive relationship will, in fact, um, uh, have more uh, of those relationships in our future. And it's almost like, you know, guys have radar. It's the same situation with having been raped. If you've been raped once, you have right. uh, a risk of being raped more than once. And um, so, you know, I'm kind of, when, when you're saying all this, I'm kind of, you know, got my, my ears perked thinking, okay, sure. um, <laughs> yes, how do I feel I about this? Yeah. Right. Would, uh, yeah, I would no, like I, to I, throw it out there. If you are listening and you have had relationships that are less than ideal and you're interested in relationships in the future and making them better, why don't you give us a call? Either share your experience or ask Tegan a question. You've got the expert here at your disposal. The number is 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. Zero four three zero. So give us a phone call and join in this conversation. So Tegan, what do you think of what I was just saying? I mean, uh, do you feel well, I, that I'm incorrect, or do you feel that I misinterpreted what you're saying? Or no, I think I mean I think that's very much how it can be perceived on the surface. And you know, the perception is we think we already know everything there is to know about abuse and abusers and that we have the solution. So what happens is we don't go seeking like new awareness and new strategies and we try to keep the victim out of, out of it in terms of, you know, her looking at um, how, you know, how did you really get, like really how did you get there? And unless we can understand, you know, how that happens, it's never, women are never going to be, you know, in a place where they can prevent this from happening because there's always going to be abusers. There's always going to be, I, you know, from my perspective, I'm looking at it like this. There's always going to be guys who are going to be abusive towards women. You can't control all of that stuff. You know, the reality is we don't know enough of the right stuff and we're focused on the guy and what he does right now. And we encourage women to leave. And then afterwards, it's as if there's no support out there after we leave. We're just kind of like, okay, well, you're over it now. You know, move on. Why are you still stuck? Yes. Oh, you found another guy like that? Well, why are you tolerating that again? So in a sense, even the current model that we have re-victimizes the woman by, by not empowering women to look at their side of it and how their responses are keeping the cycle going. Um, you, you can't ever make a change. That doesn't help women empower themselves. 
my shift came from and the shift I see other women making is when you're looking at all these domestic violence traits and all the destructive traits, and, and I think that's, that's one of the issues too for me is, and, and for all of us, is that if we're looking at domestic violence, it's a blanket statement and everybody thinks domestic violence is physical abuse, it's obvious, it's horrific, and it's consistent. And the reality is destructiveness, if we're looking for that, you'll spot it much quicker. And the quicker you spot that, the more able you are to protect yourself. So I, I mean, I have like, I think what we need to do is be looking at the destructive traits and we need to understand the subtle ones, the little tiny ones that you see right from the very beginning. Not only that, you have to look at how you respond to or interpret those traits. So it's, a, it's about uh, the destructive traits, and I call them traps. The responses are the traps, right? We think, when you look at the domestic violence model, we think the domestic violence and the abuser is the trap. I see it the other way around. I see it like we are trapping ourselves you know, that's giving them all the power, <laughs> right? And that's what we're all about not doing. If you look at your response to what has happened, that's where you find the place to shift. The most powerful thing you can do is match up. Like if you look at what the guy does and then you look at your response and you literally line up one with the other and you look at every time he does this, what do I do, right? That, it, it's, it's hard to look at and it's not, you don't feel like you're blaming yourself. What happens is you go, Oh, my God, if I did this instead, then it stops this whole cycle back and forth. And it's very powerful. I mean, from that, what you have to do is you're mastering your responses. So you can imagine going forward when you're dating again, if you're coming from a place of having mastered your responses, then you're going to attract a different type of relationship. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I still feel uncomfortable that somehow or other we're we're because you know women who've been in domestic violence situations will often say no matter what I did, no matter right. how I reacted, no matter what I did, you know he would have you know this kind of a, a you know a response or behavior. Right. So mm-hmm. by saying that a woman can change her reaction, it will change the relationship or are you just saying that changing her understanding after the bad relationship will help her avoid future ones? Yeah, I mean I'm not clearly not uh talking about when you're in it. You know, I'm talking about post crisis once you're out. Okay. You know, I it's a totally different situation obviously when you're in it. If you're in an abusive relationship and there's domestic violence, there's nothing that you're accountable for in that instance. There's no blame on the victim. It has it's you're not accountable for somebody else's negative behavior or harmful and physical uh behavior. I'm talking about, you know, once you're out of it and you're like trying to figure out how not to get into another one of those relationships, you have to look at how it happened. You have to understand the dynamic, the whole dynamic, not just, oh, he was abusive, it was wrong, and so now that I'm out of it, okay, let's just move on. That doesn't work, and and it it may be painful, and I understand people's first reaction is to go, well, that, you know, that's, uh, it's a defensiveness that comes up because it it's, feels like a vulnerable place that you're you're saying to me if I look at what I was doing then it could be different and I'm challenging everyone a little bit to say yes let's just go to that scary place just for a minute let your guard down you're talking to somebody who has been there I have been on 
you know, I, I've been in horrific situation of domestic violence, and I have lost, you know, a friend that was murdered uh, to her abuser. Her husband actually murdered her. I get it. I get it on so many levels, and that's why I think I'm able to speak very bluntly about it to women who are in these situations. And, you know, let's not forget, it's not just, um, women aren't just suffering from the physical violence. Again, you know, that's the place we always go to when we talk about domestic violence. But somebody can be violent to you by the way they are emotionally abusing you, you know, financially abusing you. Those are pretty violent things to go through, you know, and that's not... But, and women who have gone through both say right. overwhelmingly that they would rather do the physical abuse again if they yeah. had to rather than the psychological abuse. Yes, yeah, yes, the exactly. Abuse. That, yeah, that, I, it, it can be very devastating. Yes, because, you know, when you have, you know, when you leave a physically violent relationship, you, the physical stuff is gone, but all the emotional stuff and the other things, all the indirect harm continues afterwards, or it can continue, you know, especially if you have children and you are tied to this person for, you know, a number of years, that, that whole dynamic is not going to go away just because you left them. So if that were the case, how can you change your responses internally so that you can find a way to cope and heal and rebuild and also externally so that he becomes the powerless one and you know part of that comes from a no contact rule Um, it can work it doesn't work all the time especially if you have children and you have to be you know you're forced into communications in a lot of ways Um, and there are ways to handle that that can help you protect yourself and that's why I say if you're looking at your reactions and your responses that, that's, where the, that's where the key is, because he can't do what he's doing after you've left if you're responding in a different way. It, it's a way of finding, well, it's not that he can't do it. It's that you, it doesn't affect you. You know, it's, if you're coming from a neutral place, both for your, your own good, your own health, and your own recovery, it, it really does create a powerlessness in him over you. And that's the only way to accomplish it. It's yeah. it's a bold way forward, um, but it, it really is a matter of literally getting yourself to a neutral place so that all of the craziness that's going on after you left, you just can observe it. You're going, yes, look at that. That's what he does. Not, why does he do this? Why, why can't he stop? I'm trying to compromise. I'm giving him what he asked for because he doesn't want the stuff he asked for. He just wants you to know he can control you. And he's controlling you by how your emotional reactions get you caught up in the whole cycle again. Does that mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah. to you? Or yes, <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know you you can tell I'm a little little yes. queasy about it, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm willing to listen. So yeah. say you've been in that relationship uh, that's just. Uh, totally destructive. I mean, you're, you're married right. to an emotional abuser, maybe even a physical abuser. A lot of the women that I know don't want to have anything to do with future relationships, at least not right. for a good long time. Yeah. Um, is that a healthy response or not so healthy? I'm, you know, and, no, and in I mean, all fairness, a lot of women who are in these situations have court battles and, and you know, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that's keeping them in that relationship even when they want to move on. Um, right. that they have to deal with. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's 
simple to say, well, you need to do this, this, and this. But as we all right. know, when you're actually living through that or trying to get away from an abuser, right. not so simple. But say you've managed to do it, and mm-hmm. uh, you're just saying, I'm not ever going to do that again. I'm never going to be in that position again, and right. that's that. So is that a healthy well, response? I mean, I mean, I think not, because what's happening is if you're avoiding, you know, building a relationship and dating, um, you know, being alone and, and avoiding it is, is, is shutting down. It's, it, you know, it's a very depressed way of looking at the world. And, you know, this is kind of why I developed the, the system that I have, and it's why I used it for myself, because the reason you don't date is it's a self-protective, like, a strategy, if you will. Um, and subconsciously, it's, it could even be happening. It's not necessarily you say, I'm never dating again. It's just that you don't trust yourself anymore. You don't mm-hmm. trust that you can pinpoint the destructive guy before the destruction starts to happen. You know that you don't know how, it, how you got there. And if you've been deceived and tricked in the beginning of a relationship and then it shifts to being one of these toxic, you know, violent relationships, um, you look back and you know that you missed something. So if you know that you missed something but you don't know how to figure out what that thing you missed is, you're not going to date. I mean, it would. I did that for years. I avoided it. I, I did exactly what you're talking about. I was so destroyed from the relationship that I had that, and I didn't understand it because I was loyal and giving and uh, compassionate and compliant. And, and you, you know, did what you I thought tried. you were supposed to be doing. Yeah, of yep. course, of yeah. course. And you uh, give and give, and and then to get so now you get away from it, and you go never, ever, ever in my life again am I going to go through that. How do you make sure you don't go through that again? Well, you just you leave it to chance, and you hope the next guy you meet is a decent guy. But guess what? The next guy you meet, he's a little off too. Something's not right, or you end up in another relationship very quickly, and you don't know how it happened again. And it, you start to see the signs, and you end up right back where you started. You, you know, something has to be done differently. And in order to do something different, you have to look at, you have to look at yourself in all of that and look at how you're going to go forward to attract love in a different way. Okay. So um, <laughs> I, well, I, you know, I Heather, don't know I mean, I understand, why I'm I feeling so that. uncomfortable. With I know, I hear it, I hear it. Well, here, here's the thing. If you think of it like this, it, one of the biggest shifts that I see and that I, you know, that I have made and that I help women make is to shift from looking for someone to love you into shifting for someone for you to love. Because what that, if you really think about that, what that does is it puts you in the driver's seat, right? It, it causes the woman to qualify and choose which guy is going to make it to date number two, which guy is going to then make it to date number three. And it's a process of selecting different kinds of people into your life and not, not necessarily rejecting people, right? Because that's one of the things that's really hard for women who are relationship-centered, who are very compassionate and giving and tolerant and who have been through these crazy-making relationships you know, they're weary and they're, they're very, their heart is on their sleeve and they think that they're going to go out there and, and people are, all people are going to appreciate that and all people are going to be the same way in return. And, and they're not, you know. And what happens is because you have the dynamic involved that we talked about in the beginning where the guys that don't have these traits that you have, in fact, they have very, very low or no, none of them at all, um, they spot 
those traits in you because, you know, your heart's on your sleeve and that's how you go through the world. You don't have to stop being that way, but if you're looking for someone from a different perspective and you're spotting the guys that look for those things in you, you can nail it. You can nail it and you can, you'll, you'll start spotting it all over the place. It becomes a natural thing for you to see. And it's, it's a step. I get okay. that it's a, it's a step. I understand that it's a, it's a, it's a big step forward, but what are the, what are the, what's the other choice? What, what is the other choice for going forward? Just knowing about, just knowing about domestic violence and what abusers do? Because that's what we're doing now, and it's not working. Well, and in all fairness, um, you know, the... Um, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll go with what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in having, you know, having the discussion about it because I, I'm, I'm serious. Like, when we ask what is the other choice, like, if we're not going to look at the traits and the traps, right, the, the, the destructive traits, the responsive traps, and match those up so that the women can get that aha moment and go, oh, my God, so... I don't have to respond this way. I could do this instead. So when he does contact me, if I, if I get through the fear, right, we've been conditioned to make sure you respond and comply when that guy contacts you. Well, once you're safe, right, and I'm talking about you've already got your safety, you know, in check and mm-hmm. you've been out of the relationship, guess what? You don't have to respond, <laughs> you know? And what happens if you don't? If you can get over the fear of what might happen on the other side of a new choice and you actually put the new choice in play, then you, you see that there's a shift that can happen. And it's really getting past the fear that's, that you've been conditioned to have over the responses you always, always have to have and have, have given all the time and, and choosing different ones. And, you know, we're talking, too, about going forward and, and behaving differently um, when we're going into new relationships as well, not just talking about dealing with the, you know, the destructive guy from the past, right? Yes. So what, I mean, I'm curious what, Well, there's a, you know, such how, a, you know I mean, with 25% of the, the, the women in this country being abused, um, yeah. you know, the, it, there's a real high risk that no man, and, and the, also the idea that you can't spot an abuser necessarily. They can be very charming. Right. They can be very nice. How can, how can you say, well, I'll teach you how to spot them, and then you can react differently. Is well, that what I you're saying? Am I misinterpreting? Um, I mean, I think it's not as simple as that. I think it's a matter of, you know, understanding more about things that we don't talk about, like the, like the psychopathy, like the personality disorders, like what is a, a normalized, you know, I call them normalized psychopaths because they're walking the streets, we're meeting them, and... I think you can spot them sooner than we believe you can spot them, right? And, and you do that by knowing what to look for. And what to look for are the subtle things, very subtle things. Um, you know, they, they play mind games. They, they, have, they focus on one word in a sentence. There's all kinds of little tiny things they do in the very beginning of a relationship that women aren't even, you know, it's not even on their radar to look for. We're looking for the big stuff. We're looking for the obvious things, and we've been over and over and over trained on, you know, what would be the domestic violence abuser traits, right? And I'm saying we've got to go a level deeper. We've got to look for the destructive traits, right? And you have to try to understand things from a more subtle perspective. And it isn't, you know, it, it's about, like, understanding even your own boundaries. Like when you see one of these 
traits or something, your radar should be should be on. And when it's on, you start now looking for things from not just your empathy or tolerating or interpreting what the guy was meaning. You take it for what it is. You stay neutral about what you're seeing until you have enough time with the guy that you can assess whether or not he's a destructive person. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um kind of as a, a self-preservation kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are some of those traits? Oh, and let me throw out our phone number one more time. Um, uh, call us and, and join in this conversation, 646-378-0430. I'd, I'd love to hear whether I'm the only one who is having a, a skeptical ear with all of this or or whether I'm, you know, just too skeptical or give me a hand here. Let me know what's going on with me. Um, and now let's talk about some of those traits that um, we should be able to spot, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's not that you should. It's that, you, you know, we have to start training ourselves to look for them, right? And if you're not really, okay. if you're not really seeing some traits as, as destructive then you, or potentially destructive, then you're not going to be you know, knowing what to do with it, right? So, for example, if, mm-hmm. yep. if, if a guy is never really talking from an emotional level, you know, we might just kind of skirt over that and, and say, oh, well, he's a guy, you know, he's a guy. That's, that's kind of what guys do. They don't really get that way. You know, and that's not necessarily true. And it's a matter of looking at a whole system. It's looking at a pattern, okay? It's not just looking at, oh, the, he doesn't really talk from an emotional place. So, therefore, that means he is destructive. It's a pattern that you look for in, in the man's behavior. Um, his idea of the future you know, might not even exist. It's just about right now. So you'll see that some of these guys, they don't have their, you know, retirements planned for. They don't have a future for where they're going to be going, you know, in their career or what they're going to be doing with their children in, you know, six months' time. Um, he, he's basically, when you come to him and you say, you know, here you have a boundary and you express the boundary like, you know, listen, you said you were going to be home at 6 and you came home at, you know, 8 o'clock, it's not, it's not okay, you didn't even call me, um, he will not respond to that. He will give you like an answer. You may have a negotiation and you may see that he compromises. And then the pattern that you will see is that the change that you've requested never sticks, right? So you're constantly reliving the same conversation over and over and over again. That is a destructive yes. trait, okay? And the response this is where you can get into the response. You're being highly tolerant. So when he, you know, when you lay the boundary down and then you see after two or three weeks you're right back where you started, um, you're being tolerant. You'll bring that and raise that up again. And then you end up in this cycle back and forth, back and forth, because the boundary was crossed. And then what do you do after the boundary's crossed if he doesn't respect it? Well, what, what might uh-huh. happen is if your natural response is to keep going back to hopefulness, to keep being compassionate, to keep, you know, tolerating and then moving the bar and then saying, okay, well, if he does it again, you know, well, if he does it again, then this is going to happen. And you stay stuck in that pattern. The pattern is telling you, and the fact that he can't sustain the change that he agreed to, um, that tells you that there's destructiveness in the relationship, okay, that he's a destructive person because he's not honoring the agreement that you made for change. When that pattern is consistent, you are already stuck in too deep, because you can't just ask the guy to step up, right? 
It's not going to happen. The change is never going to happen. So you have to change your response to that early, early, early. When you see that that's happened two or three times, it's done. You know, you have to be able to make the shift and recognize that's a destructive trait that's always going to be in the relationship. I still think that uh, oftentimes in these relationships, though, uh, mm-hmm. Tegan, they uh, until you are at that point where you can't, you know, where you're stuck, um, right. these guys can be very charming and very manipulative. Yes, very. Um, That's right. And make you feel like they are respecting your boundaries, where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, once you're kind of, you know, uh, stuck in that relationship, that's when... Right. Um, you know, the the abuse begins in, in earnest. So right. I guess what I'm saying is, is well, it's, okay, it's begun. what you're saying is we, we as women should be able to spot some of the stuff, yes. but what if he's not doing that stuff until we're already stuck? Well, I mean, I mean, how often have you heard uh, a woman saying, well, he was just so wonderful, he you know, flowers, he'd call me, he'd do this, he'd do that. And, um, you know, you, you hear that a lot. And then as soon right. as we went on our honeymoon, boom, it was over, you know. Yeah. Um, well, one of, it, I mean, one of the things, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And I, I, trust me, I know that, you, you know, women are being deceived into these relationships. That's how I got into the relationship I was in as well. And when I look back, you know, I, I, I'm speaking also from an insider, if you will, perspective. And I get what you're saying because I've been there. You know, and I also know when I look back and I'm totally brutally honest with myself, there were things that I that I saw in the very beginning that I interpreted, okay? I interpreted them because I wanted to have, you know, a relationship or I wanted to, you know, have a certain kind of relationship. And part of that is driven from, you know, how we see ourselves going forward in relationships, how quickly we want the relationship to happen. You know, a lot of us that attract these kind of guys are very, you know, we, we rush too. It's not just the guys rushing in. The women are rushing into relationships too, and we're not seeing, well, we're, we're seeing a lot of things, but we're not seeing them on the level we really need to understand them at. And, you know, these guys can impair your judgment to see clearly. I understand that that happens. But there's also little things that will be going on, like this negotiation that happens. You know, women who are with these guys, they, they do something called, um, you know, where they're jading, they're like justifying, arguing, defending, and explaining every move they make. When you're doing that in the very beginning of a relationship, um, that's happening already in the beginning because the guys are looking for the women to respond in a certain way. When the women respond in a certain way, they move in. They move in on the kill because they're, it's almost like you're targeted. That's how it feels. Um, and in a sense, you can be when you are responding certain ways versus being one of the women that, that shut it down, that don't, you know, justify and explain and defend, you know, every move that you're making and every request that you have of him, then he gets bored and doesn't want to be with a woman who's going to do that. He's looking for the one that will do it, right? He's looking for the one that's going to tolerate, that's going to um, deny her instinct, right? He's looking for the one that is really sentimental and wants to move quickly. And when he gives stupid excuses, you know, she will listen to him, even though the little voice in her head is going, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And he can talk, he'll talk circles around it. And you in your gut know, uh, that just doesn't make sense. You know what, I'm going to, I'll wait for some more evidence. 
that's in your mind you're thinking, when I get a little more evidence, then I'll know this guy's not right or he is he really is abusive, right? Or if he hit me when he wasn't drinking, then I'll know it's really abusive because this time, you know, we were drinking, I shouldn't have said what I said, and you end up you're kind of justifying things because you're being conditioned. It's happening right in the very beginning. So it's not that the abuse happens as soon as the honeymoon happens. It's already there. The destructiveness is already in place. And, you know, that's the stuff I'm talking about when we're looking at, you know, if I'm responding to something when he does this and I respond with being sentimental, what, you know, how is that keeping me trapped? If I'm responding with believing he can change when I've seen, when I've seen proof in a pattern that shows he, he, he can't change. He, he isn't changing, right? If I respond believing yes. that he can change and I give him another chance, I'm five, six, seven, you know, eight years into chances with somebody. So that's what I'm talking about. You see that he can't change and then I believe he can change. That's his destructive trait. He can't change. Your, dis- your responsive trap is believing he can. When you see that and you match it up with an actual example, that's your freedom. That's the sweet spot. That's when you go. I have to stop seeing him as believing that he can. I have to stop believing he can change. Not I have to get him to change. I have to see. He or can't I have to change myself, and then he'll be happy. Yeah, well, that, I mean, we don't want to do that. That's you're, you're never going to be able to make a guy like that happy. And it's not about the woman yeah. changing I, herself. It's about her getting her awareness in in check. And the awareness yeah. not just But I call it that because the women, all the women's magazines, you know, giving the, the yeah. relationship advice, what you need to do as a woman to yeah. make your man happy. And, you know, yeah, so you, uh, a lot of women, I think, go, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I mean, I'm just not making him happy. And, you know, as right. soon as I change myself for him, then it will be okay. Right. And, right. of course, it's never okay. You know, it's never okay. No, it's, that's right. so, it's never okay. You know, one of the things we do when we go forward, and and just think of it like that. You're going forward with all these women's magazines telling you all these, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that, and they never speak like that to the men. But, you know, that's a whole other other topic. You (laughs) you never see a popular uh, mechanics with how to please your woman No, that's right. (laughs) That's right, exactly. Because we're the ones, you know, it's the women that are running around trying to make everything happen, and it's exhausting, right? I mean, if you have a guy that's abnormal, per se, that's really invested in you, that respects women that loves you know relationships and is invested emotionally at the same level as you are and by the way who has all the same like beautiful high quality traits that you you have perhaps like being compassionate being tolerant being hopeful that things can be great also being like responsible to the relationship and being loyal there are lots of guys out there like that if you can't spot them if you don't know what to look for because you're too busy looking for it making sure he's not destructive making sure he doesn't do this making sure he doesn't do this that this that right? You're totally focused on the guy. You're not focused on yourself. When you shift and focus on yourself and you look for someone to love, you're looking at it from a different perspective. You know, one of the big, big things women are doing is, you know, we go in, women who attract these men, right? We go into these relationships and I'm guilty. I do it. I catch myself doing it all the time, even in a store conversation or, you know, when you go, I had my daughter at the dentist recently and I had a conversation with the lady in the waiting room and I caught myself doing this and I call it silver platter disclosure, right? We make it too easy for people to learn 
whatever they want to learn about us. You know, we don't see, if you don't see the destructive guy coming, you don't, and you don't know that he's hyper-focused on people who talk too much and give too much information away, it looks like you're attracting a guy that, you know that guy across the room, we see it in movies all the time, right? He stares you down from across the bar, and it's like, oh, my God, is he looking at me? You know, and it's flattering, and, you know, the guy approaches. He's, that guy that's staring you down across the bar, that's intensity. That guy with intensity comes over to you and starts talking to you. If you don't give him a whole lot of information and you kind of think he's creepy or that it's a little odd that he was staring at you like that, you're going you're gonna to see that interaction from a completely different perspective than someone who doesn't have the awareness of that Hollywood hello guy, right? You're going to see the, the guy coming across the bar after staring at you. Without the awareness, you're going to be, you know, just kind of talking about your life, telling him all kinds of things. You're thinking you made a connection with some guy that had this, you know, drive and desire for you and passion for you. And it's not passion. You know, that's creepy. And men, normal men, are more awkward about trying to get to know you. They don't, it, they're a little bit more stumbly when they're trying to get your conversation started. So if you're the one that's just kind of telling a whole bunch of information very easily, they're going to hone in on you. That's one of the things I teach. That's one of your response traps that women have, your silver platter disclosure. You're telling too much too soon. And when you do that, that's going to attract the, the guys that are looking for that in the women that they, they need to have women who do that because women who do that also are very sentimental. They doubt themselves. They second guess. They give more chances. You know, these guys are seeing, they're seeing our traits too. But we're kind of, well, and you know, I'm an older woman, so, you know, I don't know. I hope things have changed, but I don't believe that they have that much. And that is women are, are taught to accommodate. Women are taught to be, you know, the, 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 people who keep the family happy. Um, yeah. You know, so so in effect, some of the, what you're saying is, okay, go against that training if indeed that's what you have as training. Well, you know, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of, we see it in the media. I think, I don't know that it's necessarily that as much, that there's as much of that happening anymore. And I'll tell you what, with women, you know, all the women that have been through abusive relationships, having children and getting, you know, getting through it and coming out the other side, there's a whole lot of success stories out there too, and we don't hear enough of those. We, we only hear about all the bad stuff. Well, let's talk about and let's talk to the women who got through it and came out the other side, and let's really listen to what they did to get there. And what are they teaching their kids? Because I'll tell you what, yes. I have two daughters and I, I, you know, I can't believe for one second they will ever be in a situation where this stuff happens to them because not only did when I was training myself, they were in it too. And they came, you know, my daughters both know what, it, you know, when you have a boundary, we hear boundaries all the time. Well, what do you do after it's crossed? <laughs> you know, that's yeah. like, yeah, I exactly. ask them that all the exactly. time. I ask them that all the time. And they're like, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a good question. Those are the things we need to talk about. So there's no point in having them if you don't have a reinforcement plan for them when it happens. And so, you know, we're teaching our daughters and hopefully our sons, you know, so hopefully sons are learning also from, from the experience of women standing up, getting powerful, and getting out of these relationships. You know, there's, there's things that are being picked up by the next generation, if you will. And that's pretty powerful, and that, that works to, 
you know, prevent it. I, I don't think it's ever going to stop. I don't have the, you know, I don't look at this fight against domestic violence is a very exhausting idea to me because I know better. I've been in it, and I don't think we're fighting the right battle. You know, we're, that's a resistance. We're joining resist, resist, resist this. And I'm saying forget about them, right? You've got to know how to spot it, and when you spot it, you've got to know what to do. And here's what you do. Here's how they spot you, and here's how you make sure that you protect yourself going forward. Because tomorrow, I'll tell you what, I could go out on a date tomorrow and end up with a toxic guy sitting in front of me, you know, for the, for the evening. And I know with 100% certainty I'm not going that, to, that's not going to go any further because I know how to spot it. I know how to feel it in my body and respect that sense that I have, not doubt it, not interpret it. If something feels off, it's off. That's it. And I know I have to be, I have to overcorrect in a lot of ways that way because of my, my typical responses. My natural responses are to see the guy in a good light. You know, all people, not just the men, you know, but to see people coming from a good perspective, to be empathetic. And, you know, you can, you can spot these guys. And you, when you spot them, it's the same thing as the boundary. If you spot the trait, if you spot the characteristic, what do you do then? That, to me, that's the conversation that's missing, you know? You can tell someone yes. to walk away yes. and to leave it, but you're too busy looking for more evidence on the current model, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, well, it's, that's true. I, I agree with you right. on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that um, we do tend to give a lot of second chances. Um, mm-hmm. there, there used to be a, a political uh, humorist, this was, decades, even before my time, but um, mm-hmm. he did this, this rather famous uh, uh, riff, I guess you'd call it, on men and women, and mm-hmm. he said, men are like dogs. They think they can do whatever they want and then come back wagging their tails and women will take them back, but he right. said, women are like cats. They'll, keep, they'll <laughs> let you back, they'll let you back, they'll let you back, but then at some point they go, nope, that's it, and they never turn around and go back. Right. The problem is, you know, and I, I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I kind of see that as well. Um, you know, I mean, the, uh, women in these kinds of relationships will give and give and give and try and try and try. And, mm-hmm. you know, barring the, you know, any kind of uh, life-threatening situation, when they mm-hmm. finally get out of that situation, they're done. They're, they're done. Right. Um, yeah. and, and they don't well, ever want to go back there again. Yeah, you never want to go back and, you know, part of the things that happens are you're still in it. That's the problem. You you can be, you know, if you are forced to have contact, you know, if you have children with this person or you're uh, accepting alimony for your survival, if you will, or child support payments, you're tied to that guy whether you like it or not. You you there's indirect harm that will happen. There's there's just, you know, it abuse doesn't stop because just because you left. There's got to be a way to you, you've got to find a way to function in spite of all that stuff that's going on. You have to find a way for, to stop that harm from affecting you after the fact, right? And these guys, even after yeah. you leave them, um, you know, it also, you know, after you leave them, it doesn't guarantee, unless you know something different, it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to end up in the same type of situation again. And that's scary, yeah. but it's, re- it's reality because it, it tends to be that you attract 
somewhat of another type of relationship like that, even when your best intentions are that that is never, ever going to happen to you again, right? Because, again, you have to know when you see the, the, the subtle traits happening, you have to then know what the response is going to be and how you're responding differently um, or just when you're going to be able to use your natural responses. You know, you have to slow down going into, you know, the next phase of, you know, life and relationships. And it sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like yes, a whole it lot does. Of like, yeah, so <laughs> sounds like it might be it. easier just to want... just, you know, get, yeah. renew your library card and forget the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. But then, then yeah. you're right. You know, then you're living a life where you're not fulfilled, and it's an incomplete life because you're you're thinking you're well, not going to be able to find there a guy a that doesn't do yeah, but in all fairness, there are a lot of women who don't have a relationship in their lives, and they can feel completely fulfilled. Of course, um, I, you know, it's not necessarily for for everyone. You know, relationships. Right. Um, you know, there's plenty of, of single women out there that are quite happy. Um, of course, but for those people who who want a relationship, um, right. You know, I think I think you know certainly learning to spot that kind of a person mm-hmm. um, is is really good advice. Um, the the problem I think I have is when you say, you know, you attract that kind of person, that just your personality or your, your behavior attracts that kind of person. Um, certainly I well, think abusers think look it, for people that could be abused. Yeah. Um, right. But well, I, it makes me uncomfortable to to say, well, this is somehow or other, the ball's in her court. She attracts right. this kind of person. Um, and yeah. that, I think, is why I'm, I'm hesitant about what you're saying. Um, cause I, I understand. Think that, and, yeah, I mean, I yeah, understand it, what it just, you're saying. Uh, you know, I mean, to it, me, that's more like saying, well, this somehow this is your fault, and if you had done something different. I mean, I know um, uh, at one point I was talking with somebody, and they said, well, surely she saw signs before she got married. Right. Surely she saw clues. Right. And... No, sometimes you do not see clues um, until after, well, you know, you're already in the mess. And that's so, why to me, the powerful I, place, yeah, Heather, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I just, I, I'm sorry to intrude, but I, I have to because this is, the, this is the whole thing that I hear. I hear us women saying, well, I, you know, well, by you telling me that I attracted it, you know, you're blaming me. And what I'm saying is, by me telling you, you, it's possible that you can attract this kind of guy by certain behaviors. That gives you the power that you need, that you have. It brings it to the surface, and boy, is that uncomfortable. Because if I'm saying to women, you can stop this 